Welcome to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom, the podcast where I speak with people who see the wrong in the world and are driven to make it right. Today, I'm speaking with an entrepreneur and philanthropist who spent most of his life capitalizing on emerging technologies before a fateful visit to San Quentin turned his focus to investing in untapped human talent behind bars. Several years ago, Ron Davis, the warden in San Quentin, stopped us in the yard one day and he said, I just want you to know, you know, because of the education programs, the incident rate has continued to drop. But also there's a community that's happening inside, like people are walking around the prison yard with coding books. And on the weekends when they're not in classrooms, they're on a whiteboard and they're going through problems. His organization, The Last Mile, seeks to break the cycle of incarceration through education, career training, and talent development. Chris Redlitz, right now on Righteous Convictions. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Righteous Convictions. This is the podcast where I have the privilege of interviewing some of the people who I know are doing some of the most innovative, heroic, badass stuff to make the world a better place. And today is no exception. Today's guest is Chris Redlitz. And Chris, first of all, welcome to Righteous Convictions. Thanks for having me, Jason. Really appreciate it, my friend. And Chris wears a number of different hats, but the thing that I'm so excited to talk to you about is the Last Mile program, of course, because it is one of the most important and transformative programs that has made a huge impact on the lives of people who are incarcerated or formerly incarcerated in this country and has had a huge impact on their families and their communities as well. But Chris, let's go back to the beginning. You became a wildly successful entrepreneur before you found your, what I'm going to call your true calling, mm -hmm. which is this amazing program, The Last Mile. But talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, your entry point into the technology world and how you created, well, a couple of different companies that turned out to be tremendously successful. My early days, I was always involved in sports and fitness, and I worked for Reebok when they were just getting started. And then when the internet hit, I was intrigued by it because, you know, I'd experienced this high growth company in the 80s. And it seemed to me that the internet was the next horizon. So 
I was all in on that, learned as much as I could. And in 97, I co-founded a company called Ad Auction, which was the first digital media exchange. And we had a lot of uh, venture funding at that point. And I was really getting sort of introduced to, you know, early days of the internet and early days of commerce and the internet, but also what it was to start a venture back company. Over the next couple decades, we started a variety of companies. And then 11 years ago, I started a venture capital firm in San Francisco called Transmedia Capital. And taking all of that experience that I had from starting companies and really parlaying that into investing in companies. And we've been very fortunate. That's really allowed me the flexibility to do what I'm doing today. The story I've heard is that your sort of aha moment or as I'm thinking about the Godfather, <laughs> when you get hit by lightning yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you had your epiphany, that's the yes. word I'm looking for, on a visit to San Quentin, right? That's right. So yeah, the thunderbolt of Apollonia in The Godfather was, San Quentin was my Apollonia in a sense. I had never been in prison before. I didn't really know anything about criminal justice. But because of my investment background, and entrepreneurship, I was invited into San Quentin to do a talk to a group of men about entrepreneurship by a friend of mine who knew that I was involved in this. And, you know, she was doing some some mentoring there, was kept getting questions about businesses and things like that. So she said, you know, can you answer some of these questions? Come up and just talk to the guys. And I was really sort of reticent about doing it because San Quentin is a pretty ominous place. I'd never been in prison, but I relented. And one night I went up and I did a talk. And frankly, it was the same feeling that I got when I'm talking to really young entrepreneurs about, you know, this desire and passion and determination. And these guys, some of them had business plans and, and I was blown away. I was totally different from, from what I expected. And that really was the light. And I literally went home that night, told my wife, who's my business partner, and I told her, you know, we need to do something in San Quentin. She said I was crazy. But I said, you need to come in and see what I saw. And she did about a month later. And we have something called CCI's Chris's Crazy Ideas. So she said, I'm going to go with this. We created this entrepreneurship program initially where Beverly and I went in two nights a week and just taught basically the fundamentals of, of what we do in the outside with early stage companies. And we started with seven guys. We had a demo day in San Quentin in 2012, where the guys presented their business plans to a large audience, about 350 people, including media and other VCs, and they just knocked that out of the park. So that was really the start of the program. You know, I often get this feeling when I visit prisons, I find more humanity inside the walls than outside, and I find more untapped potential, like enormous potential in groups inside than outside. And I've known some people who have gone from last mile, from being in prison, maybe even having been in gangs, and yep. then coming out with advanced coding you know, experience and knowledge, and then getting fantastic jobs and moving yep. up in the world. And you know, I did an event with Stan Together recently, and one of the mm -hmm. people who spoke, I think he may have been somebody who participated in one of your programs, yep. and he said, you know, you guys often refer to it as second chance hiring. He goes, for me, it's first chance hiring because where I came from, there was no chance. James Cavett was the one that was on your program with Stand Together and he right. did a spoken word for you. He was actually in our first class. So he was given a life sentence at 17 years old and he was part of our program, our entrepreneurship program. And he's gone on to be phenomenally successful. He got his bachelor's, he just got his master's, and now he's starting his doctorate program. So here's a guy who had literally no education, 
bettered himself over, I think it was 17 or 18 years, I believe, in prison. He has a family now. He has a wife and a kid, and he's doing phenomenally well. So, you know, that's a great example. And he was one of the guys that really helped us get it started. We've had a lot of success, I think. You know, example, you mentioned, you know, someone who's been really successful that came from a gang. You know, Jason Jones, you know, he was incarcerated for almost 14 years. He was in our entrepreneurship and coding program. Uh, He got out, got an internship at a company called Fandom, and then we hired him. And now he sort of progressed through our organization. He was the head of our remote instruction. He's a very accomplished coder. And now he was just promoted to our senior partnership manager, working with companies on the outside to hire our graduates. But here's a guy who was in foster care at eight years old, joined a gang at 11 years old, read his first book in prison. And now he is extremely successful. He just bought a home in Santa Rosa. He has a family. You know, one of his lines is, you know, I used to be the property of the state. Now I own property in the state. That's great. There are many, many (laughs) stories, but he's a great example of sort of what you were talking about coming from a really difficult background and never having a first chance. And, you know, when I first started this with Beverly and I was saying, hey, guys, you know, if you really do your work, you're going to get a job in Silicon Valley. And they're looking at me like you're full of shit. But now, you know, we have many, many, many examples of success. So when people come in, they know. There's something at the end of this. So which states are you in now? Which ones are you looking to expand to? Yeah, so we're in seven states now. We're in 23 classrooms. Our goal over the next couple of years is to be in 14 states and 50 classrooms. And, you know, COVID really sort of put a damper on our expansion. But we built an infrastructure that really supports scaling. So everything we do today is remote. Every student logs in to a learning management system. All of our instruction is live streamed to the classroom. So how do you identify the people that are going to participate in the program? And what's your success rate? As far as people qualifying, the biggest thing is being totally committed. We're not looking for educational background because many of our successful students and graduates have not had any formal background. It's more like, what's your desire? What's your plan? And you can't have an infraction inside two years prior to applying, which is a big deal. So you've got to really take that straight and narrow line and, and be part of the community. We have had a great success rate of lack of recidivism. You know, we haven't had anybody reoffend over this period of time. And we're really building on something called the Impact Index, which really not only looks at recidivism or the lack thereof of our graduates, but also salary levels, continuing education, community service. We're building basically an index and a benchmark of what success is beyond recidivism. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A sense of acceptance and belonging that a gang somewhat represents really exists for those that are part of a community, you know? And, you know, we've seen that community happen inside. Like, you know, I keep using San Quentin as an example. This is, this parlays into other facilities, certainly. But, you know, several years ago, Ron Davis, the warden, stopped us in the yard one day and he said, I just want you to know, you know, since the last mile started and because of the education programs that happen inside San Quentin, the incident rate has continued to drop. Because I mentioned good behavior is one of those things, but also there's a community that's happening inside. Like people are walking around the prison yard with coding books. And on the weekends when they're not in classrooms, they're on a whiteboard and they're going through problems, right? Yeah. And San Quentin, you know, the way the staff there has embraced this program and Rafael Casal deserves mm-hmm. credit, I think, as mm-hmm. well. She's a yep. wonderful woman. But, but but most of the credit belongs to the people themselves who are participating in the program. You know, they're the ones who are teaching us day in and day out about the power of the human spirit. I have so much respect and admiration for people who have come up out of that environment and managed to succeed, whether they went through the prison system and came out through the last mile or another program, or whether they managed to find a way out at all is yeah. is really remarkable. You know, I hate to admit this, but I bought into that narrative, you know, because I spent the first 20 years of my or so of my work in, in criminal justice reform, I was like, well, let me focus on people who are nonviolent drug offenders and people who are actually innocent. This This whole like gang member thing, right, that we've turned into this bogeyman, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not 100% bullshit, but it's pretty close. We have many, many folks in, in our program that were part of gangs growing up. There was nowhere else to go, right? Now there's a place to go. And so I think the ability to replace that with something positive, I think, is really part of the success of that. And that's why we're trying to have this sort of alternative path, you know, pre-incarceration where... You're at that why in the road and you make the right decision. You know, it hasn't really been announced yet, but working with some major organizations to do some outside coding programs for youth after school programs, because if there's a place for them to go, they can be successful. You know, one of the things that we just implemented is a scholarship fund for the children of our graduates. So, you know, Beverly and I endowed the first part of that. And then, you know, we have other donors that are giving scholarships for secondary education for those children because the long-term goal is to break the generational cycle of incarceration, not just work on recidivism, make sure that those future generations don't go down the same path. I also wanted to give a shout out to Michael Harris. Michael got out recently, and now you know Michael, and you know, he's one of the guys that helped me start last mile inside San Quentin. And fortunately, he was commuted, and now I'm working with him to do some of the same things we're talking about about prevention, you know, and breaking this generational cycle. So definitely want to give a shout out to him too. But this is a long goal for us. Beverly and I have committed sort of a life journey for this and we're growing it. And, you know, this is going to be decades down the road that we're going to continue to do this. Is there one story that you, let's say you meet somebody randomly, you're at some event and they're asking you, what is the last mile? And Is there one story that pops in your head and you go, that one really touched me? Yeah, you've experienced this too. When you're at the gate, there's nothing like being at the gate, right? When someone is getting out. And and the one that really hit me, uh, I think initially fairly early on was Darnell Hill. Darnell served 24 years in prison. 
he actually committed crimes with his dad. His dad had him commit crimes with him. They were actually incarcerated together and cellmates in San Quentin in the early 90s. And Darnell was married when he went into prison. You know, he was serving seven to life, but he'd served 24 years and went in front of the parole board six times. And every time he went in front of the parole board, he was denied. The next time he actually pitched his business idea that he did in the last mile. And he's convinced that that's what got him his suitability. And he got out. So we stand at the gate in San Quentin. It's very dramatic. And we're standing with Sonia, his wife. And to think that she had waited for him for 24 years to get out for that moment, you know, I don't care who you are, that, that'll touch anyone. You know, that type of thing, there's nothing that describes that. I mean, you can have great business success, but to see that life change and see that commitment from both of them to that point is amazing. And, you know, it's funny because they'll send me photos on text of the vacation here, vacation there. And, you know, they just love being together and they're like on a honeymoon now. And, and I just give him credit because he's endured that, you know, being in prison with his dad, but also just being a positive person throughout his time in prison and then just translating that to positivity today. It's just amazing. Is this the best thing you've ever done? <laughs> This podcast? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. <laughs> Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You 
you know, we are expanding really horizontally our, our education platform. You know, it's been software engineering and entrepreneurship, but now we're launching a, a music and video production program in San Quentin and in Putnamville in Indiana. So that'll give the skills for people to be audio technicians and video editors. So that opens up a whole new potential area of employment. And, you know, we're as I mentioned, Jason is part of our team to, to do outreach into all the communities we're in. You know, we've had great support from Silicon Valley companies like Zoom and Slack and Square and Dropbox, Fandom, you know, Pivotal and, and a lot of companies that have hired our graduates as software engineers. We need to continue to expand that, you know, hiring formerly incarcerated, their desire and commitment is huge. And people come back to us and say, wow, I was a little reticent before but man, the dedication and commitment of those that we've hired has been phenomenal. So we want to continue to support. And that goes to our, you know, our funding partners too. You know, CDCR in California and CalPIA, CalPIA, you know, prison industries have been hugely supportive. Chuck Patillo, who was the GM for a long time, helped us get this started. But we have Google.org, Chan Zuckerberg, you know, you mentioned Stand Together, Bank America, Simon Family. I mean, we've got a lot of funders that have really helped us a lot. Stephen Simon has been a fantastic supporter of our work. He helped get the compensation bill passed in Indiana, which was so meaningful. You know, we had an Indiana case, Christine Bunch, that I think really touched a lot of people in the halls of power in Indiana. And Stephen was able to bring attention to that particular episode and that case and this cause. And he is obviously a big supporter of your work. And he's become a great friend. So I just want to give him credit for his work as well and his passion, his new passion for this particular cause, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, Steve, obviously they've been really successful in their business. They all, uh, they also own the Indiana Pacers and the Pacers has been a great partner for us. Steve is a great friend and supporter as well. And we're on the early stages of, you know, doing some really cool things with the NBA that we'd love to announce later on. But, you know, Steve is definitely leading the charge in a lot of those things. Okay, Steve, I hope you're listening and I hope you're <laughs> blushing right now because you should be. Um, so people want to go to learn more about it. Yeah, the website is thelastmile.org. And then we do have a newsletter as well that you can sign up on the website. You know, there's always a donate button there if you'd like to give. Donations of up to $1,000 are matched by Stand Together foundation. So if someone's listening and feels inspired to donate, we'll put all the links in our bio, obviously. And, you know, hopefully people will be moved to support or get involved one way mm -hmm. or another. Part of it is also volunteers. You know, we have people that volunteer to mentor post-release, to volunteer to do guest presentations, you know, remote instructions. So, you know, there is a form on the website. If you want to participate, you can, you know, send us a note and see what your level of, of interest in participating is. We have a staff of 30, but, you know, we feel like we're a lot larger because we have such a great volunteer group as well. There's very few things I think you can do with your money or time that will be more impactful and personally rewarding to you yourself. So now my favorite question mm -hmm. is if you had a magic wand and could wave it and get one wish granted... What would it be? If we could wave the wand and this issue would go away and we'd all put ourselves out of business and resolve incarceration, that would be incredible. There are sort of mini wands, you know, breaking the generational circles one and bridging the prosperity gap or, or those type of things. But maybe the, the part of the wand is just making people aware because this is all of our problem. It's not just those that are inside their problem. It's all of our problem. 
So the one would just make people understand and will help contribute to resolve these issues. Yeah. And, you know, maybe instead of our crazy obsession with punishment over rehabilitation, we could, you know, except in the most extreme cases, offer as an alternative to incarceration, the opportunity for people to participate in a program like The Last Mile, basically redirecting young lives in a positive and productive direction instead of burning hundreds of billions of dollars in our failed system of mass incarceration with nothing but pain and suffering to show for it. And now, before we go to our closing, I want to invite our audience to tune in next week when we're going to be speaking with a 30-year veteran corrections officer and union leader who has made it his mission to try to find the lasting solutions to the most elusive problems of our carceral system. His name is Andy Potter. And now the closing of our show is called Words of Wisdom, where uh, first of all, of course, I thank you for joining us. Thank you to the audience as well. This wouldn't be worth doing without you. And then I'm going to turn my microphone off, leave my headphones on, kick back in my chair and just listen for anything else you feel is left to be said. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. But before I start, I just want to say how much I appreciate what you do and the dedication. I don't think people realize how much time and effort you spend on this. And you could do like I could a lot of other things and you've been hugely successful. But I just wanted to give you that shout out. And I know I've said this to you before, but you know what you're doing is incredibly important. So uh, you know, before you shut your mic off, I, I just want to make sure that people understand that this is not just a podcast. This is an all-in commitment from Jason Flom. Thank um, you. And, and now I'll shut my mic off <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll blush. Okay. Um, you know, the words of wisdom, I think really goes back to very early time when we first, you know, set foot in prison. And as we talked about before, the realization that this world is a world where people need opportunities. And it may sound sort of counterintuitive, but deserve opportunities. And the one thing that I've seen over time is that you never know when life changes may happen. That happens to us in the world, but it happens in prison in a growing number of cases. You know, there's something called a life sentence. And a life sentence doesn't mean that you serve your lifetime in prison. It may be 10 to life. It may be 20 to life. It may be 30 to life. But there is an opportunity to start a new life if you go down the right path while you're incarcerated. So, you know, when we started the last mile, there are very few people that were lifers were getting out. In previous administrations, prior to Jerry Brown in California, especially, I think it was less than 5% of people getting out. Today, many, many people who are serving life sentences are being found suitable and getting out. So my message has been from day one, never, ever give up. Keep on a path. Do whatever you can. Study hard. Be a good citizen. Be focused. Because you never, ever know when you're going to be given a chance. And, you know, that's works for all of us to keep, you know, focused and really strive for something, but especially those who are inside, you know, there's hope. And I never forget one of the guys in our early classes came up to me after class and he said, Chris, I know that you're trying to get us employment ready and get a job. Even if I don't get a job, 
For the first time, I'm being treated like a human being. I have hope. So never give up. Continue having hope, and success will be there. And being successful is not difficult. Many people don't have the drive and passion and commitment to be successful. If you do, and set the bar wherever you want it to be, and you'll achieve it. So my words of wisdom are: stay with hope and never give up. Thank you for listening to Righteous Convictions with Jason Plum. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Jeff Clyburn, and Kevin Wardis, with research by Lila Robinson. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lava for Good. You can also follow me on TikTok and Instagram at It's Jason Flom. Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number One. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.